Hello? Striker. Hello? Hey, are we doing the thing today? What's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, Hi, we're do- buddy. We're doing tuna on toast. Are you what t- are you coming over soon? Yeah, I'm on the way. Do you want a coffee or anything? Now, listen, I'm the host. Can I get you a coffee? I've, it's going to be my third coffee I've ever made, just so you know. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Let's do that. Okay, man. I'll see you pretty soon. See you soon. Bye. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Tuna, tuna, tuna on toast. What's going on, everybody? It is Ted Stryker. Welcome back. If you've been here before, if it's your first time, uh, my fingers are crossed that you're going to enjoy the hell out of this and then spread the word. Tell all your friends and co-workers, hey, there's this podcast called Tuna on Toast. It's pretty damn awesome. Mike Shinoda is going to join us in just a minute. Tune on Toast is brought to you by Hamer Toyota. Yep, out there in Mission Hills in Southern California. My first car from Hamer was a Toyota Prius. After that, I went to the Toyota RAV4 Hybrid. Then I got another one of those after that. And currently, I have a Venza. Whatever stereotype you have of a car dealership, Hammer Toyota is the exact opposite. They are the nicest group of people, just the coolest crew that you're ever going to come across. I actually went to Vegas a week ago with Johnny, the general sales manager, and we had such a fun time going to see System of a Down and Corn, playing some blackjack. And just think about this. This big company said to me, Stryker, we know you're an independent host, independent artist. We're going to back you. So the next time you're thinking of leasing or getting a brand new car or trading your car in or selling your car back, it doesn't have to be a Toyota, by the way, please check out HamerToyota.com. It's H-A-M-E-R, HamerToyota.com. Let's talk about Mike Shinoda, Strynota. When the interview was done, this dude, he was like Albert Einstein, like a scientist. He was, he ran into my kitchen. Hold on. He walked fast into my kitchen and he's like, Stryker, uh, what alcoholic drinks do you like? I said, Mike, I keep it pretty simple. I, I like some vodka drinks, but I did have an old-fashioned recently. This guy started going through all my drawers. And any guest that comes over, I give the same line. And you can hear it in the past interviews. Treat my house like it's your house. Go through all my cupboards. Mike Shinoda. He was going down in a cupboard. Then he went up. Then he was grabbing glasses. Then he was checking out the ice situation, crushed ice, cubed ice. Then he found short spoons, long spoons. He had all these different items on the counter. And this dude came up with some concoction. I think it was an old-fashioned. I don't know. He also chose a glass that has been in my cabinet slash cupboard for five years. I have never, ever used this glass once in my life. He thought it was a good glass for the old-fashioned. He made it. He handed it to me. I tried it, and it was a 10 out of 10. This cocktail Shinoda made was a 10 out of 10. The guy can do it all. Oh, man. Linkin Park sold over 100 million albums, seven studio albums, two Grammy Awards, six AMAs, the live performances. There was nothing better than going to a Linkin Park show. When you're in your car heading to the event, the arena, stadium, whatever it was, you knew that everybody in there, you had that one thing in common. And of course, it was the band. And you could sing all the songs that were on the radio, but you could also sing 
all the songs that weren't on the radio and you would have the sweat dripping on your forehead, screaming the lyrics back to the band. It really was such a great experience. And I feel so lucky I went to so many shows and I did appreciate it in the moment. I appreciate it even more now. And one of the zillion things I love about Mike Shinoda, he does so many things under the artistic umbrella and does them so well. Of course, we know Linkin Park producing and writing in Fort Minor, and then you got stuff that is just labeled Mike Shinoda music. But the guy has always been forward thinking from day one. There's people out there that you know, not just in the entertainment industry, but they do something really, really well at some point in their life, and they continue to do well, but they do it the exact same way over and over and over again. Mike Shinoda is always figuring out, okay, I want to go a different direction. I want to try this. I want to get ahead of the curve. I respect him so much for that. He's a good dude. He's smart. He's funny. He's charming. And let's get to it. Please welcome to the Tuna on Toast studio. Strinoda in full effect right now. Here he is, Mike Shinoda. Welcome, Mike having me oh look at this microphone you've got a very nice professional setup thank here. you mike should i put this here where do you want me to put this uh here i have a coaster i have a coaster mike <laughs> i respect stairs. wood got the mess up the nice seemingly vintage furniture mike thanks for saying it's a professional setup i worked really I mean, hard to make this feel like home but with the great equipment great sound yeah great look great. amazing thanks man like, you're so good at this Right, like besides, besides, like me, I mean, we have like rapport and friendship, and yeah. it's like it's easy to talk to you regardless. Um, we always for I mean, people who are listening who don't know this, like we'll always talk too long. We'll always go too long on everything. Right. Like go to dinner, and then like yes. next thing we know, like the staff is like, um, "Hello, hey guys!" If you haven't looked around, like the t the chairs are on the tables now. Get out of here. Get out. Right. Can we curse? Yeah, you. Okay. I love when you curse. I will not. I was like, no. a, just a second ago, I was like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, oh, but also not. Yeah, yes, no. I like when you curse, just so you know. I think I first heard you curse. We should save this for thing, but on a on one of your first Fort Minor songs I heard, and I heard you curse, uh -huh. and I had to pause it, the CD, and I'm like, ooh, he said a bad word. <laughs> My heart, not only this second is racing a little bit, and I, I know. I can tell you're nervous, which is the weird. It's like going to dinner with your friend and your friend is nervous. Or so you're just like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing right now? I know I'm turning red right now. <laughs> and I feel weird when I ask friends for favors. Yeah. And I was wondering when you were driving here, if you were thinking, okay, I've known this guy 22 years. Not one time has he ever invited me over to his house. Okay. But the funny part is that my wife has been here, right? Yes. So it's like, it's like. Not to we, see me. We've been, oh, I mean, we've been, we've been to dinner together. We've, yes. I mean, we hang out. So it's not like, yeah, that is weird though, that you haven't invited me over. I don't know what that's all about. How'd you know I, my heart was racing a little bit? You're very like, I remember in the early days, I've told you this before, but in the early days when you were on K-Rock for the first time, that first, like, I remembered saying to, cause we listened to the, to K-Rock, that's our like local station, right? So we right. listened to it all the time. And, we were like, oh, good. They got somebody who's like natural. They got a dude who's like, we can Thank you. almost like believe in, you know, because so many radio, you know, this I, like as an artist who goes, who's traveled and toured and done interviews everywhere, you see a lot of what they make fun of in a lot of movies where it's like, oh, okay, let's get started. Hey, and they turn on the radio bullshit right. and you're just like, 
Like I, it's so dis, it's so like annoying to me. I can't stand that. That's such a nice compliment. Thank you it's for not, saying it's that. Very much that thing is very much like the antithesis of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. And I was thinking about like my own little bubble and I have been so almost scared, but also following all the rules. So I haven't been social and just having somebody face to face right now. I already feel like my life feels a little bit elevated already. Have you oh, seen you. a lot of people the last year in person? Oh, I see people all the time. In fact, I've been hanging out in big groups of people no, you all, all week. <laughs> you know, I've been very, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been locking it down pretty, pretty tight. Um, I've got kids, so, you know, who can't, like, can't be vaxxed, right? Too young to be vaxxed, so got to be extra careful for them. And, and it's, yeah, like, we all, the man, like, managing your own emotional state during COVID has been insane for everybody. I mean, right. you know, we're all like, what do I, handshake, fist bump, like, yeah. what do we, you know, we gonna, do you want to, do you want to sit inside or like sit outside? It's, it's a hundred degrees and outside so like is that how we're gonna hang out um i was feeling free as a bird in in june fully vaxxed it was my birthday it felt like yeah. covid was over boy was i cocky i was running oh around God. i oh went to God. idaho on the way back we went to vegas i had no mask on they said hey you're 97 percent and now here we are at the freaking delta thank you delta god freaking delta the, the funny thing was that when they called it delta yeah my first thought was like are we branding these now <laughs> like we did corona we were Poor talking corona. about corona and now we're talking about delta i was joking like with anna about like is the next one gonna be just like the best buy variant like you know what i'm saying like it's but it would have to be paid for by their competitor it's like let's let's fuck the those tuna guys. on toast variant let's fuck those guys <laughs> and like the next variant is gonna be your brand when's the last time you have zoomed with or been face to face with your Lincoln Park guys. It's been a couple of weeks. Oh, that's it though. Um, we yeah, we had some like periods where we really didn't talk for a minute because people were off doing different things, and it was actually at that. I think Dave was on. A, he did some like traveling. Rob had done some traveling, so that took a minute. And then and then yeah, we talked a couple of weeks ago. It was mostly it was like a it was like a like a business call. It wasn't like oh hey we're doing something. It was just like you know, I think question some questions have come up about um, maintenance basically. <laughs> just maintenance. Are these stuff. questions that popped up in your head and you're like guys let's get together? No no no. It's like um, what would be a good example? Hey management got a call from so and so wondering if they can use a song in something. Mm. Like like it's stuff like that. It's just it's just managing that type of thing. And, and I'll shoot uh, little texts to Dave or to Joe. Usually that's if I'm going to like that, those, I think of the guys, like I usually it's Dave and Joe that I'll shoot. Like, it'll be like a meme. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> did you see this thing that's going around Twitter <laughs> relating to, I mean, what was one that happened? Like half the time it'll be something related to one of our songs or something. Oh really? Yeah. You like seeing some of those things? Well, sometimes I know that like, I know that they'll think it's funny and maybe they haven't seen it. Okay. Um, Brad and Rob like won't think it's funny and don't give a, don't give right. a shit. So like, <laughs> like I'm not going to disturb Rob on his, like, he's like, it's he surfing. Wouldn't he wouldn't care. Yeah. Rob is out in the ocean. Like experiencing Does Rob nature. have a phone? I believe I'd be willing to bet somewhere between $20 and $70 that Rob has a phone, but it's a very old version and that's not a knock on him. That's just what a free speech is like. I don't need a good that's, phone. Yeah, that's his, that's, the, that's <laughs> for sure. The cartoon character that we draw in our heads of him. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, uh, 
He's got like a flip phone from like the 90s or something. Wait, is that even right? I don't know what that timing is. Whatever. Flip phone. It was a brick phone mid to early 90s. And then it was the super late 90s where you got the flip phone. It went brick Dude, to flip. I had a flashback the other day. This is like, it took me a second to place where this bizarre little piece of culture happened. But it turns out there was in that moment in between flip phones and like iPhones, smartphones. So there was a thing in between where okay. there was a moment in between where people were had like Palm Pilots and things yes, like that. Yes, the Palm, and it came with the little pen. The little stylus, and you yes. lose your fucking stylus all the time. Everybody's yeah. like doing this because they lost their <laughs> stylus. So this was a moment in time, very short-lived little moment, but that's around the time, I think we, we started touring at that time. I think that's, it was around 2000 that that moment happened. And so those, those devices were useful because if you had a lot of stuff going on, like just like you usually, I mean, you, you don't think of it now, but like you use your phone to like write all your little notes to yourself and set alarms and, and calendar stuff and just stay organized. Right. Yeah. So people were buying these Palm pilots and shit just to do that. And the other thing, strangely, the other thing that worked its way onto there were these weird little games. And one of them was, it, I, it, I, when I played it, it was called Dope Wars. Okay. But it was also called Drug Wars. <laughs> and, and it was like, dude, I think I think I heard somebody laugh out here. <laughs> so it was a game where you went city to city selling drugs. And it predated, I think it predated Grand Theft, Grand Theft, Auto. Theft Auto. Yes. Because it was like a text-based game. It wasn't like characters going around or whatever. You just like, oh, I just made... $27,000 selling meth in Vegas. Now I, now I'm going to go to new Orleans and I can either choose to buy this much heroin or buy this much Coke. And, uh, this is the car. Like then I've got this much left over for a car. And you just, this whole like, like business of like selling drugs. <laughs> and you played that game a lot. Tons. I played it so much. Here's what's so crazy. <laughs> I've heard you say cocaine so far, drugs, and you've cursed five times. <laughs> Mike Shinoda, are you a cursor? Were you always a cursor? So I grew, I mean, no. <laughs> um, I grew up on, um, thank you for, thank you for pointing that out because now every time I, I'm like saying anything. I'm going to be double like thinking twice about whether or not to use a curse word. Um, I, I, and, and people who I, I, I stream on Twitch all the time, uh, yes. three days a week now. And it was five days a week. Now you're doing the I'm three, doing three right? now. And, um, the fans on the, on the channel notice when I'm having a cursing day or not a cursing day. Like they, they joke about it. Um, cause some days I'm just a sailor and other days it's like, doesn't happen once. Keep in mind, like I grew up here in LA I grew up listening to the first like album I ever bought was Beastie Boys License to Ill. And then I soon went into, got into like Two Live Crew and NWA and I mean like Ice-T. It was like all of the music I listened to was, uh, well, the time they didn't even do, back then they didn't even do explicit lyrics, stickers, but they right. would have had one if they did. One year for Christmas, I asked for the debut album by uh, the first album by Cypress Hill. Oh, for Christmas, right? And it was the number one thing on my list. Like I, I had other things on my list that were more expensive than a CD, and some of those I even got. Like I think my a keyboard, like a hundred and something dollar keyboard, I think I got around that time. It might have been that year. I don't know, but I didn't get the CD. I was like, the CD was only like whatever it was at the time, like fifteen bucks or something. Weird. I didn't get the CD. So I like <laughs> the next, I maybe that afternoon or the next day, I was kind of like, "Hey, mom, about that CD." 
what what happened? Like, did you not? It was like the number one thing. And she's like, yeah, I went to the store and looked at it. The names of the songs are crazy. Like, if you think you're going to get an album with pigs, hole in the head, how I could just kill a man. Like, you've got to be kidding yourself. You are not getting that CD. I had the CD by the end of the week. Like, it was like, I went, I, there was no way, nobody was going to keep me from those. And back then, it wasn't the internet. You could just download it. You had right. to go buy the CD. Of course. So I went down to the store and bought the CD. But that's what I listened to. But that's I love I that your on. mom went to a to at least get Cypress Hill, be real, and send dog. She she was going to oh, support. Yeah. But yeah. listen, your mom. If she had ever, if she the, had met, be real, yeah. she would have been like, okay, fine, I'll buy the CD. They probably could have maybe smoked together at the I rainbow. Mean, she, yeah, you can't. They you been can't. Best friends. You can't. As like the guys are too. I mean, Sen is a, to me like I having met them a few times. Sen is more um, intimidating. And be uh, be real is not. He's just like the sweetest guy. I mean, back probably back in the day, very very could be very scary, but when he wants to be a, you know, like he's the greatest charming, greatest dude. Yeah, Mike, where do you put Cypress Hill? When you talk about music history and you see their longevity, and to me, they're still very relevant. Oh, yeah. Where do you put them? Because the, I don't know if they get, I think they're underrated still. Probably so. That's probably true. I feel like the reason for that, though, is because, um, and this is true for a bunch of the, that crew was called Soul Assassins and DJ Muggs did uh, back in the yeah. day. He, they're known. Um, the sound they were known for was designed by Muggs quite a bit. So in the, in you know, or like the layman, like he was their Dr. Dre, right? So, um, DJ Muggs was their Dr. Dre. Yeah, okay. DJ Muggs was their sound. It was their producer, but also all of the different, like like whether it was Everlast or whether it was Sun Doobie or who, who that group was under the name Funk Dubious, and then of course Cypress Hill. Like they had, they were so outside of what was going on. They had their own island, right? It was just a completely different style of rap and 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 sound and aesthetic that they were doing that nobody else really i think that's why they get kind of forgotten in terms of like who are the like most influential or whatever it's like no they were actually in that moment like other groups started imitating the things they were doing like ice cubes um gorillas in the no it was before that it was um it was either Death Certificate or Predator. Oh, it was Predator. He put out Ice Cube needed a new sound, and he tapped Mugs for that sound. Really? Wow. It was a whole moment in time. Um, anyway, and there, though, th there are two voices, if you just put it on paper. We got this one guy, B-Real, who sounds like this, and then Send Dog like this. Uh, no, no yeah. don't do that. It's never going to happen. Well, I think, so to me, like as a, I was a big hip-hop. I was just a sponge for all of it. Like it was, I... And what was so special about that moment, like stepping back from Cyprus in particular, I think this has happened with a lot of different genres of music at different moments. In that moment for rap, what was so wonderful is that they hadn't written the rule book yet. So there wasn't as much, in the very, very beginning, there was a lot of copying. Like somebody did something and became popular and 10 other people rushed in to do the same thing. Okay. It's like, okay, we're using the 808 drum machine now. We're using these samples now. Oh, Funky Drummer by James Brown. We're using that. And then 50 groups would write songs over top of the same track, right? Mm. It's like how many, if you look, if you were to go on, there's a website called Who Sampled. Okay. If you go on Who Sampled and look up Funky Drummer by James Brown, I think you'll find like uh, in the probably five digits of, of songs, like over wow. 10,000 songs have sampled wow. Funky Drummer. 
because somebody did it and it sounded cool and it became popular and then everybody else did it and then other people heard them and, and they were doing it. And there was this moment in hip hop where people started like rebelling against that and being like, no, we need to be more original. And that's why you had groups like all of the Cyber Soul guy, like Soul Sessions crew, you had um, De La Soul and, and oh, Black yeah. Sheep and all of right. those Tribe Called Quest. Like Diggable that. Planets. Yeah, you had that stuff. You had, um, and so on and so forth. Like there was, all, there's, there was a moment for sure where the rule book didn't exist yet. And so people were writing rhymes in a way that was like really weird and unique. And they were, they, you know, I feel like we lost a lot of that. Like right now there's so much template there's almost like too much template to what a rap song is supposed to be. That if you write a song that sounds weird, then people don't get behind it as much. Mm. I don't say that from my experience. I'm saying that look like talking to, I've talked to a lot of young artists and they feel like, yeah, like I don't fit on all, I don't fit on these playlists. So like the label kind of like, won't give me that's because how are you going to get, if you, you stick to your guns and you do what you think is the right thing in your own head. Yeah. I believe it's not a guaranteed thing that you're going to find an audience, but if you find an audience, you've got them and you're going to have them for a long time. I, the way I look at it is like this. It's there are elements of like figure out who you are like okay. authentically. Like is this really? what you tell artists like for Shino, hashtag Shino to produce me? Yeah. Okay. And you, is this the advice that you give to them? What you're about to say so here? So if I, so if I were talking to, if there's a new artist who's like, you know, here's, here, here's some songs that I've made. Like, here's what I do. What should I do next? A lot of times what it comes down to, to me is like, I not isolate, um, not isolating, but identifying what, what things are you doing that, you feel passionate about like a really you to your core. What, I, what things are you doing that are just very, you feel are very original. And then beyond that, it's like, look for, I always tell artists like, like look for ways to get better because so oftentimes people get in this, like almost like insecure loop of, I did this. It was the biggest thing I've done. So like the, it's my biggest song. So I'm going to do more of it. Or this is my favorite one. My fans expect fill in the blank. Oh right. My God. So my, if I do my fans expect this. So if I don't do that, I'm not serving them. Right. Yeah. But just to, to put it in perspective, Lincoln park came out with hybrid theory. We put out a second record. So, so after hybrid theory, which was, when that album cycle, when the album cycle started, we were nobodies. Nobody had heard of us. It was, we had very little like buzz. Um, the very first tour we played, we played first of three for a band that none of, nobody's ever heard of. Wait, you were the first of three. You opened the show. Yeah, we got and there were two bands 20 after minutes. You. We got about 20 minutes on stage. And you're out of Los Angeles doing this? Are you yeah, driving in no, a van? And, or uh, what are you we doing? didn't fit in a van, so we got an RV. Okay. Uh, six of us plus one other crew person plus a, a trailer of stuff. And we we couldn't, if you couldn't fit us in a van. I drove more than half the time. Um, is that because you didn't trust their driving or we can just, come back to that? Okay. All right. <laughs> so we drove around city to city and when we'd show up, we were the first ones to play. We were the last ones to, to sound check if at all. So some days it was just like, F you guys. Oh, see, I did it again. Some days it was like, fuck you guys. We, yeah. you know, we're not, you don't get a sound check. 
And, and who's everybody saying else's that? The gear, other everybody bands? else's gear is on the stage already, and they're not going to move it for us. The other so two bands just, are doing this to you, saying so, you're not going to get a sound check. We're leaving our stuff. That's the hierarchy in. of like bands. Like they're bigger than we. Are. They have they have a hundred fans. We have no fans. Okay. So <laughs> their shit goes on stage. We right. get we work around it and don't touch it. Right. Make sure you don't bump into the drum kit, or you're going to get an earful from whoever. So we are setting up the drums. If, if this is the front of our stage, our drum kit was here some days. And we were all just lined up on either side of it. The drum kit was all the way to the front of the stage. DJ, all the way. So there was a few shows where Joe was on the fucking ground. <laughs> he couldn't fit on the stage. And so he was on the, on the ground with the fans and the drums were on stage. Um, he, he was arguing that he should have been on stage and Rob should have been on the floor. Um, <laughs> Whatever. It was, a fun, it was funny. So yeah, so we went from that at the beginning of the cycle to literally the biggest album on the planet Earth yes. at the end of the cycle. Right. And at that point, there were journalists saying like, I heard that they didn't write their songs. I heard that they were manufactured by the labels um, to be this big pop sensation, which is crazy because if you listen to Hybrid Theory, there's... Yeah. How would you have said, like, here's the pop record we're right. going to put? That's, yeah. It was literally in the times of Britney Spears. Like, no, a pop, the pop record they would have designed would have sounded like that. Of course. So and our if they really wanted to, to that, make money, they wouldn't have six people in a band. They <sighs> would like, let's get a couple. It make it a little more, make it a little more uh, streamlined for sure. <laughs> so after that, we were like, okay, the thing we need to do is, besides writing something that was honest and authentic to who we thought we were, um, we also wanted to kind of double down on like, okay, well, let's show them that we can do it again. That's what's important right now is to show everybody that now that they're going to watch us make the record, like their eyes are on us while Meteora, we're doing it. They didn't two. watch us make Hybrid Theory. So now they can watch us make Meteora and we let them see us make it and tour it and whatever. And they went, okay, we believe those guys, they did make those records and they did earn that spot. Third record though, when we went into it, we realized if we do the same thing again, we're going to be doing the same thing forever. Minutes to Midnight, record number three. We never, we realized that, yeah, if we'd done the same thing a third time, it would be not as fun for us. It would be less interesting to the fans and it would be, we'd be stuck doing the same thing over and over and over. That's, that's the moment that's like almost like the teachable <laughs> component of this for young bands, which okay. is we, we were selling, at that point we were selling Big Macs. We had the Big Mac. All you wanted to do is come buy another Big Mac. It's like, right. yeah, we got the thing that right. sells. Like to walk into the store and be like, so we're not going to sell any Big Macs. None. You know, our label was like, are you crazy? That's a stupid thing. That, like you're nuts. Like what are you, you going to make that's going to, you're just going to like implode right Did they like, say this after they heard some of the demos you were making they, with rick they, rick rick rubin jumped on album number he, three with so you, when right? we spoke Mike? to when we spoke to rick we we were looking at who should produce this record because it has to be somebody different and it has to be somebody who gets where we are and what we want to do we want to reinvent the band and we we did a meeting with rick at his place in malibu <laughs> and he said there was like a stuffed grizzly bear over my shoulder in his library <laughs> and he said what do you guys want to do like just in theory in like the big picture what do you want to do with this next record and to the man everybody in the band said we want to make something totally different like we want to show the fans 
And we just want to show people that the band isn't doesn't doesn't exist just inside this little box that you've seen so far. That the band's at least our intentions, our 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 interests lie way bigger. And he said, basically, we went around and said versions of that. And then he said in response, that's basically like the only way I would want to work with you guys. Like if you wanted to make the same record again, I wouldn't be your guy. I wouldn't be the one to help you. He do was that. waiting to hear this from you before he jumped on to hear this from the well, band. That's what he was saying. hoping. He, what right. he was saying is and I, it's I was seven hoping years to hear or so that. past the release of Hybrid Theory when your third album came out. Yeah, I think like that's people right. grow as humans and as yeah. musicians. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. So yeah, so that's what we ended up doing, and and I mean, long story short, it did, great it, advice it, for it young did, artists. It did great, you know, yes, because it we debuted followed, at number one, and we and we we didn't let up our foot on the gas in terms of like craftsmanship and putting in the work, because it took eighteen months to make that album. So like, it wasn't like you're just gonna like reinvent Lincoln Park overnight. Like we really had to put in the time to like find the new things that we were interested in and, and they and they over time they did come into focus making that third album was there anybody in the band again you're quite a few years into it now and you guys are playing to arenas all over the world selling a zillion records was anybody super loud in the studio not in a mean way but like i don't like the way this is going we got to was or was the vibe fairly calm making that third album the first hybrid theory was such a like a chaotic process. We were everybody. The band was fighting everybody else at that point. Like, I won't go into it. it's a long story, but um, the short version is that we had been signed with one expectation, and by the middle of making that album, the people at the label that we were working with were were basically asking us to be a different band, and so we had to fight to stay the same band. Um, and that worked out like it, it, I mean, obviously it did well, but like it, it, we ended up being able to release the record we wanted to release, um, on, on Minutes Midnight, it was more like everybody was so intent on the same goal that the only disagreements we had were about how to get there. Mm. and and what the like what the timeline was like are we taking too long there was a point at which for example i was like you guys it's been it's been a re it's been 12 months like it's been 14 months in the studio and we need to wrap this up we're starting to get to the point where it's gonna if we don't start to make moves to formalize some of this stuff we're just gonna kind of sit in the studio forever because i know you guys that's one of our shortcomings is we can spend too much time sitting in a room by ourselves thinking. So that was, and that was like my personal fight, right? Like that's the thing that I, you wanted to move, I was, it, move it. I was just saying, this is my, you know, this is my, my, my issue, my perspective, whatever. Other people had different things. It could be like, you know, I like this batch of songs and I don't like that batch of songs and whatever, or I don't, yeah, I guess there were some versions of that. Then you had a thousand sons, and I know we've discussed this before. There were some people that said it's a ten out of ten. Some people said it's a two out of ten. Yeah, yeah. It's and only it's only ten or one. It's really. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And like, but what really this gets me very sad and emotional to mention this. When one more light came out, mm. I was so sad because there were people that write reviews who were really really mean because you guys decided artistically to go a different direction, mm. and that's what artists need to do 
to go on to do their thing. Right. I thought the songs were so well put together. Were you affected at all, or have you been by negative? Who are the? I, I don't even know who these reviewers are, but like, did you read them? Did it make you feel bad? I mean, well, you can't avoid them. So we all saw versions of that, right? We we diff- You'll have different kinds of teams around a band too where some people will really like insulate them from negativity and other people will like, it depends on the artist, it depends on the management, but some people's managers will be like, okay, so like, look, you had there was a major review um, in major newspaper or major you know outlet or whatever, and it was bad. And so we're gonna have to like, just be aware of that and kind of address this. Um, we weren't insulated from negative feedback and so we learned to, deal with it to an extent, but no matter how much you learn to deal with it, I believe that it's a, I don't know if this is a, just a, a, a concept or if this is a proven fact in psychology, modern psychology or whatever, uh, that our brains hang on to negative comment, like negativity about us um, hangs on it like a, we hang on to it at a, at a multiplier of like seven. Oh, wow. If I say something negative to you, it takes like seven nice things for me to to balance out the one bad thing. You can see everybody doing it. Like you can, you post something on your Instagram and then you get, I love it. I love it. I love right. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Here's a, you're such a fucking idiot. I hate you. You're ugly, oh, blah, blah, blah. So and people, that's the one they read. Everybody does this. Right. We all do this. It's right. human nature, right? Yeah. So you get it. Like imagine that's like, it's when it's your album, people forget that like, at least for a group like us, an album is an extension of ourselves. An album is a statement about our, who, who we are. And so in that it, moment, almost right. Who you yeah, are. Yeah. So it's not, a, it's like, so you hear comics joking about this com- comedians saying like, it's not that you didn't like my jokes. It's that you think I'm a shitty person. You fucking hate <laughs> me. If I bomb, it's because I'm a terrible human, obviously. Right. That's how you feel. So it's musicians, same way. Uh, when I, when you read a nasty comment or when you, when you, when something performs badly, like it's, you know, it's very difficult to just be like, it's okay. We'll try again. When you were doing those shows. So the album came out in May of 2017 and you're doing huge shows. Were you having a good time playing the new songs and playing to those fans? Like, were you in a good space? Were you happy? Totally. We, well, because like we love the songs. There's a guy named Adam at our label who uh, he actually came from our management company and then the label like poached him off of the band because he was so good, Um, which is fine with us because, you know, he deserved a pay raise that we weren't, couldn't give him because we're a band and they're a label. And then also because he was getting more opportunities to jump to other projects or whatever. And um, he was of the like um, song was first song, Nobody Can Save Me. His, his attitude was, which, you know, song off One More Light is the best and why is it nobody can save me? That was his perspective on the thing. He's like, this is one of the best songs the band has ever written wow. ever. Yeah. And so like nobody can tell me otherwise. And I felt that way about some of the songs. Like that song in particular, I was like, I've never written a song like this. Um, I've never written the song in this way either. And I felt great about it. Well, Mike, now I'm going to ping pong all over the place then. So here we are in 2021. What's your plan for the present then? I don't have at this moment a thing that I'm like, here's the headline for everybody. And that's too weird for people. They're like, 
Well, I don't know what but you you're were doing on. on Twitch and producing and doing it with the cameras watching you. It's very, it's it, all very, like, it's all very the crypto stuff. Experimental. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, NFT. NFTs and crypto. There, exactly. It's a hundred percent experimental. We, we've been at this like forty something minutes, so I have definitely more questions than I do want to ask about crypto and NFTs. Just so you know, I can feel the eye rolls. Why? My my like my fans, my wife. People are so sick of hearing me talk about that stuff. And that's Where's fine. It's oh. fine because to me, it's a vibrant. We are right now. We're going to completely switch gears, aren't we? Are well, switch gears? no, hold on. A few more questions about Lincoln Park. Okay, and then, okay, okay. Then sure. NFT. You send text to some of the guys. You've had a Zoom, talked a little business. When you guys did the show at the Hollywood Bowl with all the guest singers. Yeah after Chester passed. I mean, the, everyone was sad watching, but so excited to hear those songs. Mm. Do you think that there is some time in the future where you're gonna go on tour with Linkin Park and have either rotating <laughs> singers or bring, no, Mike, don't I, laugh. If I ever, because if we I all wanna hear a, the if, songs, Mike. If I had a, um, if I had breaking a, news, an, right a breaking <laughs> news and an announcement, you would be one of the first people okay. that would get it. Thank you, Mike. Um, and no, there's no breaking news, there's no anything. So it's just like... But are you aware and the guys aware that folks like me and people way younger than me love, love the songs? And when we hear them in 2021, it takes us to a place of such happiness and excitement that if you did these songs in front of audiences, we would go bananas for it. I appreciate that. Did ABBA, the band ABBA, just announced they're going to do a hologram tour? I'm not sure. I just know ABBA's making some sort of new music. I don't know about hologram. Are you yeah. thinking no, potential was, hologram? It's out. No. No. Okay. No. Zero percent. Z negative a million percent. Okay. Negative million. I'm, I'm, I am. I hate the idea of doing the Lincoln Park hologram thing. It's awful. I did not um, suggest that. Just so you know. So, but ABBA, yes, who are all still alive, are going to do a hologram thing. And when I heard it, I was like, why? <laughs> like, first of all. They're all still alive. Second of all, I hate the hologram thing. And the answer was kind of like what you just said, which is people love the music. And their thing is we are at a stage in our lives where we can't get up and deliver it. I don't know how old they are, but their feeling was like, we would love for you guys to see the thing that you fell in love with. The ABBA camp. Sanders, the ABBA right? camp, the band in the interviews about it. They said, yeah, they're like we want we want ABBA fans to get an ABBA experience, not a bunch of old people on stage like, you know, and, and by the way, touring is hard. It's probably very hard on your body as you get old. The more the older you get, the harder it is on your body, et cetera. There's a million reasons why for them. They made that decision. Yeah, for me, I'm like, OK, I physically I could still tour where that part's good. Like, hopefully that doesn't change anytime soon. But now is not. Now is not the time. Now is not, we don't have the focus on it. We don't have the math worked out in our, and I don't mean that by like financially math. I mean that like emotional and creative math. Okay. What is, what is it? What is that? Our bar for like the threshold for like what would be acceptable is high. Just like always, like for our band, anything that we do, it's like, it's gotta be, it's gotta clear a certain bar. So there's no, uh, Nothing has cleared the bar. Every four days I go online and I investigate NFTs and I try to figure out <laughs> and what is an NFT. And after, and this is so stupid to me, after eight minutes, close the laptop. Just close it. I have friends that know that you were coming here today 
who are similar to me. We know that we need to understand NFTs. We understand that. But when I do my deep dive, it's not like doing a deep dive on like music or movies. Mike, can you just dumb it down in a few sentences? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple. I'll give you don't a, know because this is important. I'll this give you a couple anecdotes. Okay. So like people that don't, people that are starting from absolute scratch, non-fungible tokens yes. are um, essentially digital items that you can prove that you own. You can prove you own Is it, it one of one? It can, it, I mean, yes, techn technically it is, but the, but the item you own could be part of a series. So okay. like if somebody were to, let's think about, about it. Like, uh, you go to an art gallery and the artist has painted a painting and then they've also got prints of the painting. So like your actual painting is worth a lot and your prints are worth a little. Yeah. And so you can, you can divide NFTs up that way. You can say, okay, this item is a very, is a, it's only one like it period and that sells for this much. And then you've got these other items which are less rare and they're worth this much. It gets very confusing though. So I'm not gonna get into, I'm gonna try not to confuse you. Okay, good. I'm not an expert in the on the um, software side. Like I don't, I'm still learning about all that stuff. But what I, what I think is compelling about the idea of owning a digital file is that what you're used to is if you, if you were to go on, not Apple Music subscription service, but Apple, but iTunes, if you go on iTunes and you buy a song, yeah. you're used to the idea of like, okay, I own that song, right? Right. 99 cents, $1.99, whatever it is. Bought it. It's yeah. mine, right? That's kind of the, in, 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 in terms of understanding what it is, that's kind of what this is. But what if that 99 cent thing that you bought wasn't a thing that everyone else could buy? What if there was truly like only one? And that's the reason for the prices. Can they do what they want with it if they spend whatever money to get? We this are at the we are at like step one of a very long evolution of what this thing can be. Most people who are in this space who are dealing with who are who are as obsessed with this stuff or more than me, no, believe a hundred percent with all of their heart and soul that we are in the same place today that we were at the beginning of the internet. I believe that too, which is why I'm so excited to hear all this. Yeah, it's not, right it's not a small difference. It's not yeah. a small deal that crypto exists. It's not a small deal that the idea of owning a piece of digital, like a digital commodity exists. So here's why. Imagine you're, let's just use Fortnite as an example. Just, I mean, okay. I don't play Fortnite really, but, but you buy a skin in Fortnite. Right, you you have your your account. Yes, you go on. You go, oh, there's a Deadpool skin. I bought it. My Fortnite character can wear it. He runs around in it. Other people have theirs. That's cool. Great. You can't take it out. I can't take my Deadpool skin out of the game and then go into League of Legends and use it. I can't take it out and then put it on my like avatar on Twitter or something. And the idea of where this whole where this blockchain stuff can go, where NFTs can go, is that. That is actually the future of it, that you could say, okay, not only is this skin, this Deadpool skin that someone bought, not only is it one unique item, but it was actually bought by the Michael Jordan of gaming. I don't know that many, that much about who the top guys are right now, but so-and-so bought it. They played the world championship of your game. They won. So they took the skin into the championship, made the final kill wearing it, and came off of that game and put it up on auction to the world, and I bought it. So no longer is it like 
this theoretical thing. It's like Michael Jordan right. had a basketball in his hands and he won the NBA championships with it and it fell through the hoop. The crowd went fucking bananas. Yeah. He took it. He signed his name on it. Right. And then you bought it and you now own it. And it's, it's there's, That's he real. only made that shot with one ball. Yes. You can't reproduce it. And once you own it, you can prove you owned it. So that's the difference. That's the thing that you can't underestimate here. If somebody, if an artist makes a song and thinks it's great and doesn't release it to the world, can that person, that artist, instead of putting it on Spotify and all these other places and make less than one cent and all that, sell that as an NFT? If someone was like, I'll give you a hundred K for that. Or is that, was that you can do with, you could do with things like that. Yeah. That's been done. People have put up all kinds of stuff on like people have sold tweets. People have sold essays, people have sold photographs, people have sold all kinds of, uh, uh, somebody sold uh, real estate on their skin. They sold a part of their body. Whoever bought the NFT got to tattoo something on their body. Like people are doing all kinds of gimmicky interesting, whatever things. But I, I did something the other day to kind of teach my fan base and some other, and whoever was listening, and I'll tell you guys, um, to help illustrate the, the like experience of this thing. There's a part of it that's a fun experiential part. I put up an NFT, is on its platform called Hen, that uh, the reason I chose that one is because you can basically, I could give something away for free. So I gave, I gave, I made a hundred copies. I took up one image. I said, there's quantity of 100. The price for this NFT is zero. Okay. And I went on to this, basically my most core fans, told them first, and then a slightly bigger group and told them, and then slightly bigger too, and then I told Twitter. So I did it in that order of like, this group, about 30 of them bought it or downloaded it or whatever you want to say. And then, yeah, they acquired it. About 30 of them acquired it and then another 30 and then eventually they all went out and then other people were like trying to get the thing that was already gone. At that point, people, a lot of the people who had acquired it. For free. For the free, original ones. Yes. For free. Yes. They went, okay, <laughs> like the, this is the first NFT that I've owned. Like who cares? What's it? What now? And then they started to see the number, offer numbers go up. And it was like, I'll pay you 50 bucks for it. I'll pay you 100 bucks for it. I'll pay you 500 bucks for it. I'll pay you a thousand bucks for it. All of a sudden they were, they're in their digital wallet. They're holding an item that they got for free that somebody else is telling them they'll pay $3,000 for. And the fans went, oh, this pays my bills this month. Like this is a big deal. If you, if you get one that's rare, that's valuable, that people care about, they had to ask themselves like, well, how much is it worth to me? Like they're saying it's worth $3,000, but in my head, it's only worth, it's worth less, so I'll sell right. it. Yeah. In my head, it's worth more, so I won't. I wouldn't part with it for anything. Like all of those emotions and those thoughts start to go through people's heads. They call that price discovery. I don't like that term so much because it's a very like economics, it's a very right. like Wall Street-y kind of term, but that's what it is. It's like, how much can I pay you? If I give you, what if I give you 40 bucks for it? You'd be like, fuck you. I would say that. Yeah. There, become, there comes a point at which you say, how about this much? And you're like, oh, right, exactly. Fine. I can go on eBay and buy another. It won't be, it won't be this one. Right. But. Oh, okay. Sean, you can speak out loud. Sean, did you learn something about NFTs? Good, good. You did. Okay, Mike, I got to change it up again. We're going all over the place here. We're running out of time. Over all your years playing on late night TV shows, 
Not who's your favorite host when you're at home on your sofa. What shows did you like playing the best? Who was you like, oh my God, we're going to be on, I don't know, Conan or Letterman or whoever. Who was your favorite to go to? Top three in no particular order would be Conan, Fallon. I might say Trevor Noah. Oh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. yeah. He that was awesome. So but oh dude, God. Conan, one thing I'll say about Conan, just let me, just to pull out the God. Yeah. He's the, he's the God. Okay. Um, the thing about Conan is um, the whole operation was always like so flawless and like, like well-oiled machine. But I actually, when he um, got like kicked off of late night TV and yeah. the, one of the things he did is he did like a concert tour. He right. A variety I, show. Yeah. Did you go to the show? I think I, I may have seen him on stage playing with Jack White somewhere. Team Coco. Yeah. Went and did a, went and did a, <laughs> a live show. And I went. It was so inspiring because the, the, what I took away from it was he was there to entertain you at all costs. And it, there were no boundaries on what that meant, it seemed. Like you showed up and like you're so used to being like, I'm going to go to a concert tonight. I'm going to go to a comedy show tonight. I'm going to go to a speaking engagement, like a public speaker. Somebody's there, like we were talking about, like Vin Scully, like spoke on stage. It's very inspiring. Conan would just get up there with the motley cast of weirdos and like play some music and tell some jokes and tell some stories and interview somebody and blah, blah, blah. And you'd just be like, you had no idea what was coming next. It was almost like vaudeville. Like you, it could be a magic trick. Like I, I wouldn't have been shocked at one point if he came out and did yo-yo tricks. Right? Flipping you know what I'm saying? Around. You'd just be like, look, it's I'm walking incredible. the dog. Look, what a thing. Yeah. He's solving Rubik's cubes. This is incredible. Like, I don't know. It was like that. I bet you Conan, who's uber small, I bet you he can solve a Rubik's cube. I will bet you anything. A hundred percent. Conan can do like. Doo, 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 I bet doo, he's doo, got. Doo. I bet he knows how quickly he can solve. I bet he knows in the number of. I seconds can do one side is. of a Rubik's cube in less than thirty seconds. It's the thing. That's I, not that impressive, but I, I I've never tried. <laughs> I've never really tried because all because apparently it's like all about algorithms. Like it's all about you got to know the, the. Well, there is a formula. <laughs> yeah, the formula. There's yeah. one formula. It's left twice, right, but, but and then. Then you can, and people solve it with their feet now. Um, is that really why you came here to talk about Rubik's cubes? I mean, now that we've hit that, I don't think there's. I think it's all downhill from here. Mike, thank you so much. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, we've been going like an hour. Yeah. I still had other things that I wanted to ask you, but you've, you drove all the way here and you've been sitting in this. I bought these chairs just for this room. They're I bought very this table. Nice chairs. It's a very nice um, setup. And I wanted my mic to be as good as your mic that you use at home because I know you wanted to get it. May have. Oh, you, this is very, really, you may have overdone it. Oh, it's so it's so nice. I want it to sound, I want it to sound good for everybody. Yeah, so yeah nice. I set the bar high, just like so you set high. the bar the high. The bar is really high. All right, Mike, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to reveal now? Have I gotten everything? <clears throat> Shinoda produced me, Twitch from five days, to three well, days. You've you done like you, 18, 19 okay, songs, so, right? So yeah, or? we do need to tell, we do need to tell everybody that you are, you know, putting out your debut album. I didn't want, I mean, we, I think this is the Breaking moment. News, here we I go. This is the moment. No, it's to called Strinoda. It's an album of duets yeah, that duets. you are producing. I have a lot of great ideas. Yeah. And I'm not going to be what you keep telling me. to expand my horizons mm -hmm. and let my guard down and be emotional yeah. on record. Can yeah. we make one song together? One I mean, song. I think what you need to do is maybe send me some demos. Now just and then we'll, with music on it listen. or just my voice saying lyrics? Um, I'll let you know when I hear it. Okay. 
Mike. <laughs> Mike, can I just please write five lyrics down and then we make a song? I think that I've seen how this goes on Twitch and it's generally very embarrassing. So I caution you. We'll talk off off camera. Like I've done so many about- embarrassing things. It's fine. People make fun of me all the time for having a big forehead and weird pants like on YouTube. It hurts my feelings sometimes, but I'm a grown ass man now. I'm okay. Okay, you're passing on the song. That's fine. Mike's not going to, there's going to be no straight notice. I'm telling you that you, you, you get what you pay for, buddy. You know, you do that. And next thing you know, <laughs> like you can't, you can't unmeme the meme. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's not a thing. I just made that up. Did I make that up? I think I made that up. That's good. It really doesn't make any sense, but you get the point. Of course I get it. If there's a meme of me doing something, there's no way to take it back. If it starts to spread like wildfire out there. Mike, thank you. Maybe we'll just sample what you just said and just make that into the song. There's some of the greatest songs of all time have 25 words or lines. That's it. Or less five lines repeated. What about blue by aqua? Does it have more than one? I only thought it had like, does that have more than just the chorus? I don't remember. I feel like some songs only have one line. And they do pretty well. Been a lot of big ones. Yeah. Thank you for your generosity and friendship over the years. You're, because of you, you've made me look way cooler than I actually am. And you've been generous <laughs> with saying nice things. No, it's true. It's very, very, very true. So thanks for doing this. I, I'm very uh, happy to be here. And I know that you're going to do well with this Whatever the hell this is. This thing that you're doing. <laughs> I call my thing, the Twitch thing is called like whatever this is. So this is like another one of those like put it out there and it'll evolve into the thing it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. It's tuna on toast. I, yes. Tuna striker. On toast. I like having conversations in delis. This is not a deli. George Costanza and Seinfeld. Things didn't go well when you ordered tuna on toast. I'm hoping things go better for me. Mike, I love you. Have a great day. That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise, it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man, we did it. Strynota Tuna on Toast is in the books. I love Mike Shinoda. That was a fun one. Thank you guys for listening and for spreading the word on this endeavor. Let your friends and your family and your coworkers know that there is this podcast out there that you need to put into your rotation. Uh, Ted Stryker, that's me, uh, all over socials. Also, you can find Tuna on Toast, including our YouTube channel, my YouTube channel that I got going. There's some great videos up there. Uh, there's no big company or little company behind me. I'm a totally independent artist. So this thing is building because of you. And I appreciate that. A lot of great guests are coming up. So keep on checking in. In the meantime, have a great day. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. <laughs>